Welcome to Season 2 of the Predator Podcast. Here on the Predator Podcast, we will talk about all things predator hunting. If you're a predator hunter or wanting to become one, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Drew, and on this podcast, we will talk with fellow predator hunters all over the United States about the tips and tactics they use to put more fur in the truck. I'd like to give a special shout out to my partner for the Predator Podcast, Dark Knight Outdoors. If you're in the market for a thermal optic or accessory, uh, look no farther than Dark Knight Outdoors. Jamie is second to none. I got a chance to meet him, sit down with him, and he's a great guy, and customer service is off the charts. I would highly recommend it. Uh, if you look at my description below, you will see there's a couple of discount codes there. You can use the code Predator Podcast 23 That'll save you $50 on a thermal optic, and there's also a, a code there for accessories. Check out the link in my description below, and check out Dark Knight Outdoors for your next thermal optic purchase. I'm here today with Chase Hess, and if you guys aren't familiar with Chase, uh, look up Daywalker TV on YouTube, and you'll see a bunch of sweet videos and a guy who can just flat out shoot. And I just wanted to, I wanted to bring him on, talk a little bit about uh, hunting and shooting and pick his brain a bit on how a guy can extend his range a bit. So uh, Chase, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on. Awesome, man. Uh, so tell us a little bit about um, how you started out into coyote hunting and shooting and uh, about Daywalker TV and just a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I started out a diehard bow hunter, like a lot of guys, you know, I was kind of that kid. I, I think I killed my first bow with my dad. He got me into it. At, I think I was eight years old when I killed my first one with a bow. And, you know, I, I just was a diehard bow hunter for years. You know, I was kind of that guy that, you know, ah, gun hunting's too easy. And <laughs> I, uh, started coyote hunting a little bit and I realized real fast it uh, it really ain't that easy. So yep. I, uh, <clears throat> I think I. I think i was probably around 12 when i got my first hand call you know I, I knew nothing about hunting coyotes i just knew i'd seen them out deer hunting before and i'm gonna go try to shoot one and i walked out there with a, a little single shot 243 and uh before i could even sit down i bumped a coyote and the coyote took off running at about 200 yards and i swung up and shot and i neck shot him on the run and i just could not believe you know, of course, I thought, man, that wasn't that hard. And then I realized that's a lot harder than it looks, you know. Yeah. Yep. And uh, kind of just went from there. You know, I I kind of was a little bit excited about it. But, you know, there still wasn't a whole lot. Uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of Internet stuff. And uh, I just still didn't know a whole lot about it. You know what I mean? Uh, at that age. And, and yep. I think <clears throat> I think probably when I hit about high school is when I really, some of my friends got Fox pros and I realized how much fun it could be. And I, uh, I still really hadn't jumped levels on shooting yet. You know, I kind of just was a 200 yard guy and, uh, I was whitetail hunting one time and I, and I, you know, I moved up here. I started on those Ridge whitetails over by Tulsa kind of, you know, where it's kind of hilly and it's a different kind of hunting. You know what I mean? It's, it's tougher. I don't care what people say. Yeah. It's tougher. You know, those, those deer, those are, those are fridge yep. goats, man. <laughs> and, uh, I, I started, I moved up here at my punk city, pretty close to the Kansas line. And 
I had a pretty good buck come out at about 500 yards. And I had like a little Savage 243, you know, with a three by nine, you know, just a normal Walmart hunting scope. Yep. And man, I emptied yep. the clip on that sucker. You know, I just, <laughs> just, just you know, I had, I don't even think I had killed anything over 120 inches at that point. So I, I to me, it was a giant. You know, it was probably all, only 130 inch, yep. 35 inch, 10 point or something, eight or 10 point. But I emptied the clip, and you know, I went through every bullet I had. I probably had 10 or 12 rounds on me, and it was about then that I realized, okay, I got to do something different here because. uh that wasn't cool. And, uh, yeah, I had a really good buddy. I, I worked with, worked out with a lot and shot with a little bit. Well, he, his name was Andy Allison and he went to, uh, Afghanistan on, on a tour and he went to sniper school and finished the top of his class in sniper school and, uh, came back and, you know, kind of got me, he was pretty much the main reason I got into the long reading, long range shooting stuff, you know, the, he came back and he was like, Hey man, we're doing this kind of all wrong. And uh, from there it just kind of took off, man. Awesome. So about when was that when you started kind of dabbling into long range shooting? You know, I was really interested in it about the time I graduated 2011 and somewhere in there, 2010, but you know, it, it, it's expensive and you know, for a college yeah. kid, you know, I'm straight out of college. I, I saved up, every dime I had. And, and, you know, just 15 years ago, it's like, man, you couldn't buy a long range scope for under a grand haul, hardly, you know, a first focal point scope. Yeah. It was tough. And, uh, <clears throat> I saved up a bunch of money and I saved up and bought a, uh, I think it was a Remington SPS tactical 308. And I threw a, a vortex PST on there. And, you know, it took me a long time just to get that. You know, it, it, yeah, it's pretty, but you know, these days it, it's getting, it's a lot easier now, you know, yeah. Heck you can go pick up a, a really good yeah. long range, you know, a pretty good long range scope for heck 400 bucks, you know? So it's just a, a different world. now. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So then when, and then, so as I mentioned, Chase has a YouTube channel called Daywalker TV. And, um, so at what point did you take it from, uh hunting shooting to filming so i always kind of in the back of my head wanted to film just because i wish me and my dad you know me and my dad had lots of awesome hunts together growing up and i was like man i wish we would have filmed that stuff and i and i've always been a fan of watching kyle hunting on you know tv randy anderson you know uh you know i like watching heath baker stuff john collins yep. you know and, and you just it's like, man, that looks pretty fun. I, I think I could do that, you know. And uh, I went out one time and I shot a, this would have been, heck, I don't know, this would have been four or five seasons ago. I went out and I'd been shooting long range for a little while, you know, just, just targets, not any PRS stuff. But uh, I shot a doe at 703 yards. And I just remember being blown away when that hit her, you know, and, and she just dumped. Mm-hmm. and i just can't i was just like man what, why didn't i have a camera for that you know because you know and that was four or five seasons ago even then you know it's like man I, i'd tell people and they'd look at me like i was lying you know yep yep and uh so i was like man you know what i need to get a camera and start trying to figure this stuff out and 
it, it just kind of snowballed from there. I went and bought more of a long range shooting camera. Uh, I went and bought a Nikon P950. Um, I'm eventually going to buy something that maybe that I can hook a length system up to or something, you know, that the external, the ex- yeah. zoom handles and, uh, yep. can help, help out with those dogs running in. Cause right now my setup is, is mostly kind of for longer range stuff, you know, and I've definitely, it's cost me some dogs and, uh, that's just one of those deals, you know, it's just got to cough up the money, got to pay to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So that's kind of my next. Yep. I think no, my I totally, I totally get it. And uh, so, yeah. it kind of. I started. I filmed a few dogs, and then uh, one of my buddies, good buddies, he he's a lineman here, and he just happened to be one of his bosses as uh, a team manager for Bagara. So that's kind of how yeah. I met a and j sporting and you know and then you just kind of start making some edits with his stuff and pretty soon you're just editing and making videos you know yeah yeah and then so and then when did you shoot your first prs match oh man when was that i feel like it maybe a year and a half ago or so somewhere in there yeah kind of hard to say you know it, it's been a little while i'm still a baby when it comes to that prs man those guys are monsters those guys are another level mm-hmm. you go there i you know i've shot steel i've got friends that got a range from 200 to 1000 and you know you go out there and you lay down and you take your time you get comfortable and and you start shooting and you know after a few rounds you're like oh this ain't nothing this is pretty easy god dang it. you go out there with those monsters man and and i was humbled real fast Real, real quick. I had issues. <laughs> yeah, I, I can you. only imagine being around guys like that to do that all the time. Yeah, and, and one of the guys that that I shot in with our first group I ever shot his name's Dale Rhodes, and I think he was, I think he's ranked top thirtieth in the country PRS. You know, and and I, he's a senior. He's older, and I think he he's probably one of the top couple seniors. You know, from what I understand. And you, it's just, yeah. you watch that guy shoot and it's just like, okay, there's the, there's the standard right there. You know what I mean? You realize that's, that's attainable. Yeah. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. until you shoot with somebody like that under a time clock, it's really hard to understand how much you need to work on. I'd like to take a quick second to talk to you guys about Dark Knight Outdoors. As you guys know, Dark Knight Outdoors is partnering with me this year for the podcast, and I couldn't be luckier to have them join me. Just a couple of the things that drew me to Dark Knight Outdoors, uh, they will match match pricing. They don't have any sales tax outside of Illinois, and quick and free shipping, no credit card fees, and you get a free external battery pack with a quality mount to come with your purchase. And not to mention, if you use code predator podcast 23 at checkout on a thermal optic you're going to save fifty dollars so you're basically going to be able to price match uh to the best price you are able to find and then save fifty dollars on top of that also if you're in the market for accessories uh he jamie has so many different accessories down there dark night outdoors you can also use the code pp 
ACC23. So that's PPACC23 to save 25% off all accessories. So go down to the show description and look at Dark Knight Outdoors website and you will not be disappointed. Yeah. What, so, so what tell, tell me about some of those early like experiences PR with PRS and like sort of the things that you had to learn right away, maybe the hard way. Ooh, man. Uh, let's see. Well, my equipment for sure. I had a, I was running a bog pod and I didn't have like a plate or anything to set my, my bag on and just little stuff like that, that, that made it, made it take longer for me to, you know, those guys run and gun real fast through those stages. You know, you walk up and within a couple seconds, you know, those guys are already walking up there and, and shooting pretty fast. You know what I mean? We, we walk up, you, you, you figure out where the targets are at, you write your wind calls down and then pretty much that's it. They're, they're trying to hurry along, you know, let's get moving first guy up and just that speed yep. of, I got five targets and 10 shots or four targets or two targets, whatever. 10 to 12 shots and some of them are at different distances at different angles. I'm sitting here trying to think, you know, and these guys have already got their stuff written down and ready to rock. And it just made me realize real fast. Uh, I got to get better at this. And, and it, you know, it made my, my Kyle, you know, getting ready for a Kyle stand a lot better too. Cause it, you're just pressure makes, you know, diamonds being put under that time clock constantly yep. like that. It's just, uh, it's hard to, you know, I know coyote hunting is fast paced, but that that's a different animal right there. So. Oh yeah. And I mean, if you're out coyote hunting and you're, you know, by yourself on a stand and you miss, you know, it's no big deal, but if you're out uh, on a stand and you miss a coyote, it's one thing, but if you're sitting in front of, you know, how many different shooters and people and, and, uh, you can't touch the target. I'm imagining that's a, a little bit different feeling. <laughs> Oh man. And, uh, you know, the place we shoot, I usually go to so far as it's in Ralston, this guy named Rick, uh, Lumineers place. And it's, it's an awesome facility, but I've heard Dale say that, you know, out of all the places cause he travels all over the country. He says out of all the places he goes, he says, that's probably the toughest place he shoots because it's super flat. You know, there's not very many targets out there. You know, he's got tons of targets, but there's not very many of them. You can spot your impact. So if you miss that first target, you make a bad wind call, you're about to pay for it real fast. <laughs> right. You, you could zero the oh, whole thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you just look like what the, the heck just happened, you know? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it forces you to make really think about your wind calls because that first, that first shot on those targets is so important, you know? Yeah. Okay, so since we're kind of touching on it, why don't we why don't we talk about uh, shooting in the wind and how you sort of learned how to make wind calls uh, and and kind of walk us through that? Yeah. Um. Well, I use the gun number system, and I don't know if you watched any of those. I think we talked about it a little bit back and forth. I think I sent you some videos on it. Uh, And there's a system I use. Mills. You know, there's a lot of guys that use MOA out there. And MOA is a little bit more difficult. There's more numbers to deal with. So it's just, I always think, why make things harder on yourself? You know what I mean? I'm just going to use males. Yeah. Um, and for some people, they might not know the difference, but 
you know, an MOA, you know, if, if I tell you there's four clicks per one MOA, if I tell you go a quarter MOA, what are you going to do? You're going to make one click, one out of four, right? Yeah. So where mills is there's 10 clicks per mill. So if I said go half a mill, you're only going to go 0.5, right? And I feel like if people can understand that, they can understand this whole system. Uh, it's not much more difficult yeah. than that. So you can do it on any, you don't need a Kestrel. You don't need some fancy ballistics calculator other than your iPhone to do this, to figure this out. Um, you can use a, an app like a Hornady app, any ballistics app. And you're just going to put your bullet information in there like you normally would. And, uh, and then whenever you get to uh, your, your distance, you're going to match up your distance with your mill. So if I, if I went 500 yards, I want it to cough up a 0.5, you know, mill hold for wind. And how do you do that? You put a wind number in there, right? So for like yep. my gun, my gun's a five mile an hour gun. So at 500 yards, uh, it, it'll at 0.5 mill hold, it'll cough up, uh, or what is it? 500 yards, five mile an hour wind. It'll be a 0.5 mil hold. So if I know that I have a five mile an hour gun and if I know that information, that's a lot of information. You know what I mean? I can do all kinds of stuff with those numbers yeah. now. So if it's, if it's a five mile an hour wind and it's now it's not uh, 500 yards, it's a thousand yards. Now I just double the, the wind call instead of 0.5 mils. It's one mil, you know, and, and that's really all there is to it. You yep. know, and you, it's really not that ridiculous. And I think, I think a lot of people focus on things they, they can't control. I'm not saying you can completely control wind, but a lot of people, I think they sit down at a coyote stand and the first thing, everything they're thinking about is like, okay, can he come out of that ditch? Can he come out of that ditch? Is he going to come from over there? You know, we don't know where they're going to come from. You know, we, when you get really good at it, we do the same things at every, every stand. We go to a good vantage point where we can see a good crosswind or the wind in our face. A lot of times we know where we're going to sit already. We know these stands. We know what winds they're, they're good for. Yep. And I just think people waste a lot of time sitting there thinking about, where this animal could come from instead of thinking about, Hey, where do most people miss coyotes? You know, most people miss coyotes in that 300, 350 yard range. You know, I I'd say 90% of the time, if I go with somebody and they miss, that's where they get trigger happy and they send one and they either miss mm -hmm. the wind a lot of times or, you know, what, whatever. But, uh, if, if people would sit down and think about the wind, I think, even before you get to the stand it, the night before, you know, we always, a lot of times as coyote hunters, we think about where we're going to go the night before I do anyway. Yep. You know, a lot of times I have my whole yep. morning planned totally. out. I'm going to stand this stand and this stand. And I'm already, before I leave the house the night before I've already got wind calls in my head because you can look it up in the morning, what the wind's probably going to be. And usually it's not always, it's not always perfectly accurate, but, you know, if it's going to be dead calm or maybe a five mile an hour wind or a full value, 10 mile an hour, wind, you know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. And if, and if you're, you know, aware of that the night before and you're already, I like, I like picking that 500 yard range, which we, we have some pretty open country up here where, you know, some people, if they can only shoot 300 yards, great. 
you know, that's a, that makes it even easier. You know, you know, all you have to think about is your 300 to 350 yard wind call and you shoot like you like a 2250, right? Yeah. Yep. I mean, you ain't got to dope a whole lot for that at 300 yards as far as, you know, up and down goes. Um, but if you can just, you realize, you know, how much you're going to hold for your win at those distances, you know, I think I put a 22250 in my app earlier and I think it gave me, I think it gave me a three mile per hour gun. I've never done it with the smaller rounds, um, smaller than mine. And I think it was at a nine mile per hour wind. What was it? Uh, I think it was. 1.5 mil hold at 500. So you you have quite a bit of hold. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, like you said, if it's 1.5, or one was that what you said, 1.5 mil? Yeah, 1.5. It says that, I think a nine mile per hour wind. Let me see. I mean, but that's, no, a, no, lot, no, that's a lot right. of drift. It's a, no, no, it's, it's, that's not right. It's, uh, Hold on, let me, let me, I can, I can look it up real quick. Anyway, it's a lot more wind, you know what I mean, to deal with. I think it's double of my 6.5. Yep. It, it, it's quite a bit. But I even you. then, you know, you're still yeah, not I'm, holding my, oh, go ahead. No, you're, you're good. Keep going. Uh, it's still not, you know, it's not ridiculous, like three or four mils or something. I mean, it, it's something that you can. You can get a number in your head and you can go off that. You know what I mean? Right. You can bracket that coyote and get yeah. get pretty darn close. Let me see. I think at 300. Yeah. And that's that's where. At 300 yards, a nine mile per hour wind with your 22250 is about a 0.8 hold. So, I mean, still still quite a bit. Yeah. You know, my, my rifle is only 0.4 at that far. Yeah. So still about double. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to think too, like when you're shooting at a coyote, especially like, let's say he's sitting down facing you, um, which is always a shot where I'm like, Ooh, you know, that's, that's a good shot. I got a lot of, a lot of target there, but really they're only like, you know, 13 to 16 inches wide. And I mean, if you're aiming center, you don't have a ton of wiggle room either way. So it's like, you know, you really do. I think back to like, after we've been talking, I think back to some that I've missed, you know, that were like head on or, you know, on their sitting down facing me or, or so on, you know, standing facing me. And I think to some of these I missed in that three to, you know, three fifty range. And I think to myself, like, how did I miss, like, how did I miss that? I was dead solid, like whatever else. And I'm, I would almost guarantee it was probably because of the wind. Right, right. Oh, yeah. They're not very wide, you know, when they're facing you. Honestly, running a camera has made me a lot more patient. You know, I I let a lot of dogs walk just because I'm trying to catch it on camera for one. And then also, you know, you're lugging around 65 pounds of camera gear. You don't you don't want to screw it up when you get the opportunity. And honestly, if they're facing me, if they're not inside 200, I'm waiting. You know, uh, yeah. I'm not even going to go for I don't for blame it. anybody for that. And, and it, and it's just because, you know, why if he, if he's inside that, that range already, he's killable. Just wait for him to turn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not I, usually not too hard to get him to stop if you have to. 
Right. And I'm the same way with runners. You know, I run a bolt gun and I'm not a big AR guy, so I'm not usually flinging rounds at them as they run. And I'd rather just sit there and wait for them to, to run out there and stop, which we've got some more wide open country around here too. He's liable to run out there to five or 600 yards and give you a shot. <laughs> yep. So do you just sit uh, there on the range finder and just follow them and wait till they stop? And then, yeah, I do. He stops a lot of here. A lot of times you can kind of tell when they're getting ready to stop. They'll kind of, as they're hopping, they, you know, it's almost like they slow down a little bit and then they kind of almost like start turning like an angle as they run. You know what I mean? You can, you can kind of tell that yep. last 10 they yards. They start to bounce. Yes, yes. You can kind of tell when, okay, I think he's getting ready to. And I've already got my range finder up, ready to rock, and I'm liable to already be clicking it. Uh, my SIG sword is pretty good. I can, I can just hold it down and drag it and it'll just rearrange the whole time. Uh, for the most part right and you know I, if i think i have time to dial i'll dial i, I like dial and i'm a big dial guy and i think most of a lot of the uh prs guys i shoot with are dial guys you know we, we don't really like holding over uh if we don't have to yeah yeah if i had to pick i would uh i would I would usually, I usually will hold over out to about 350 just cause I know where my drop is and stuff. But then after right. that, I'm in the aisle. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's just go back to the, the gun number thing. Uh, I just want to make sure people understand that and don't think like, Oh, what the heck's the gun, this gun number thing. Right. So from what I understand of it, Chase, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but from what I understand of it, you basically need, I guess you don't need it. You could, you could guess it with the ballistics, like the Hornady app or something, but yeah, like from what I gathered, you could, you could, if you know what your bullet, your muzzle velocity is, you just basically need your, uh, muzzle velocity and your bullet coefficient. And you can figure out like your, if it's a, like you referred to mine as a 0.8, um, or yours as a 0.4, that's what you, right. well, that's my, all my, it is. It's a five mile an hour gun, and I think yours was a three mile an hour gun. Is is the way there that it, it looked okay. like on mine? So we just right. refer so to him as basically what that means. Okay, so basically what that means is is I know that my holdover is point three at three hundred yards, and then at six hundred yards it's point six, and then nine hundred whatever. Yeah. So on yeah. And so as the wind, as the under wind, that wind. Yeah. Yep. And then even as okay. your even as your distance goes up like so let's say uh let's say you have <clears throat> let's say at 300 yards you have a three mile an hour wind you know uh so it, it's going to equal 0.3 right that's what we were saying earlier for your mill hold it yep. should match well if you go if you take it from 300 to 400 it should just go up uh one number on your mill hold so instead of holding point three now you'll hold point four so at a three mile an hour wind yep. at 400 yards it's point four so it's yep you know it's pretty consistent you know it it's not always perfect but it usually gets you within a you know uh, a point mill of a of a hole this morning i went out and i had to clean my gun real good uh yesterday and it just was about time you know i had about 300 rounds through it and I deep cleaned it. I zeroed it this morning. I stuck a steel target out there at 800 yards. 
and I went to a hilltop and I had about a, you know, a five mile an hour wind from right to left. And, you know, I just used that system, you know, at 500 yards with a five mile an hour wind should be 0.5 for me. So at 800 yards, it should be 0.8. That's where I put it. And yep. I, you know, I center ringed it at 800 yards on the first shot. So it, it's, yeah. it's not, dang, it's not nothing. It's not rocket science. It's really not that difficult. You know, it's, maybe some people are getting overwhelmed. Maybe I'm not explaining it very well, but uh, I'm sure we could leave a link to, to some YouTube videos on here. Uh, if people want to kind yeah, of I'll leave that people. link to that video. I'll leave a link to that video that you sent me that I watched too. I thought that was pretty, I thought it was pretty well explained. I mean, it was easy for me to understand anyways, and I was not familiar with it at all until then. So, right. Right. uh, And it, you know, it's one of those deals when I learned of it, I was like, Oh my God, why hadn't I been using this? You know what I mean? It just was an instant game changer. I feel like, like, why don't more people know about this? For sure. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. And like what we're talking here, you know, we're not talking about shooting a, you know, a quarter at 800 yards. I mean, we're talking about, you know, hit, trying to hit a, you know, softball or, you know, a little bigger size target, you know, you have a little room to play with, but you know, you, to get you on fur, it's going to, I think it definitely is going to put you on more on target more uh, than significantly more than without it. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, especially luckily coyotes are, they're not very tall, you know, but your, your dope should take care of that. As long as your velocity is good and, uh, everything, uh, your, your dope up and down, you know, they're, they're pretty long wise. So you've got a little room there, you know, you can be, uh, two or three tenths off one way or the other. And I mean, you might either gut shot him or shoulder him, but you can bracket him like that and you're still able to kill him way out there. You know what I mean? Where you wouldn't, you wouldn't have got him at all for sure not using it how do you deal with a headwind or a backwind versus a crosswind so you know it's funny that whenever that's another thing when i'm going to set up for a stand you know we talked about that earlier like hey what you know what what's going to make you pick a stand for the morning i want a crosswind a crosswind if if i know it's a left and right it's a left and right you know what i mean that wind kind of snakes you know, it kind of like snakes along left and right. That's kind of how it moves, it seems like to me. So, but it doesn't matter if it's coming from right to left. Doesn't matter if it snakes. It's right to left. Well, if you have a headwind yep. or a wind at your back, now you're going to run into more issues. And it, you know what I mean? It, it, it just can, it, especially even with a low wind, like even if it's a one mile per hour wind, like I had a, I had a PRS competition a while back that, you know, I, it was only going to be a real light wind, you know, two mile, three mile an hour wind. And it was going to be at our, uh, I think at our North side, our, our face. And I thought, awesome. You know, it, this will be easy in the morning. There's no wind, man. That wind kicked our butt all down. All of us. I mean, even the guys that are a lot better than me, it kicked all of our butts because that, that wind and, you know, Rick's known for, we don't shoot at big targets a lot of times down there, especially in that 300 to six or seven hundred yard range. It's not like we're shooting at 15 inch targets. You know, he'll throw some sixes out there, some eight, sometimes even smaller, you know. So uh, one of those little headwinds, you could be left of target or left edge of target on one shot. And then literally the very next target, very next shot, you'll be right edge of target. 
which, you know, obviously mm-hmm. is not, not good. Right. Interesting. Yeah. You would think that most people would probably think that your crosswind is, you know, the wind you don't want to, you know, right. cause it's going to move your bullet left and right. But right. yeah, I but guess I would have never thought that either. It's more consistent. You know, I can sit here and say, okay, it's a five mile an hour wind from right to left. I know where to hold. We're now, especially if we start extending that distance, if it's 300 yards, that's eh, not going to really bug me too much. A headwind, a little headwind or forward, you know, I, as long as the coyotes broadside, it's no big deal. But you start reaching out there five, six, seven hundred yards trying to shoot at stuff in a little headwind. Now, if you're you need to hold, you know, half a mil, even though it's not as big of a hold, maybe as like a 10 mile an hour crosswind. If it's a 10 mile, not not mile per hour headwind, you can't tell whether it's a left or right now. You know, even though if it's less of a hold, let's say your right to left is a point eight mil hold where the headwind. If it's right or left, you know, if it's like 11 o'clock or a one o'clock wind, just an angle in it, maybe it's half that hold. Maybe it's only a, a 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 hold. But if you can't tell which side it's yeah. on at the moment, you, right. it's it's way worse. So I'm very uh, aware of that yeah. before I take a stand. Or while I'm shooting yeah, at an angle. Totally. That, that, that makes sense. And, you know, the long range it makes game, sense, but it also makes sense to me why it's difficult. Right, right. And, you know, the long range game kind of gets a bad, bad stick sometimes in the hunting industry. And and I think I think it is good to kind of have some limits. And, you know, I shoot at some stuff. I really like that six to seven hundred yard range. You know, you get <clears throat> you get past that um, and things just start getting more difficult. I feel like one to four hundred is kind of a level. Five to 600 is kind of a level seven, somewhere in there. And then that eight to nine is kind of its own level. And then for some reason, nine to a thousand, it's like that extra, anything past that is just things get kind of stupid. You know what I mean? Uh, It it gets just, it gets really tough to to make an accurate uh, wind call on an animal size target. Yeah. You go throw a 24 by 24 inch target out there and I'll probably smack it on the first try, but a deer or coyote size target gets pretty, pretty rough out there, you know, past 800 yards or so, 900 yards. If, and, and you know, people see me shoot further uh, a lot of times and, you know, you're going to notice, especially if I'm shooting whitetails, I'm only choosing days that are good for that. I'm not going out there in a 15 mile hour wind right. shooting at a whitetail at 700 yards. I'm just not going to do it. Why do that? Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. like wounding whitetails as much as the next guy. So I want a, you know, a crosswind or, you know, a two or three mile an hour wind crosswind or a five mile an hour. And that, that's that, you know what I mean? If it's, if it's worse conditions than that or no wind at all, uh, then I'm just flat out, you know, not going. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally. So, uh, you know, and it, and I really, even if it's no wind, it still makes me nervous if on the, you know, on the weather app, if it says it's going to be like a face, you know, if there is any wind, it's going to be facing me or at my back. I still don't really like that. Um, I really try to go set up spots um, with uh, with a crosswind if I can, just because it, you know, even if I'm not sh- there specifically shooting long range, even if it's just a normal stand, you know, there are a lot of stands you can just shoot four or 500 yards. 
And even at that distance, yep. those headwinds can throw you off right or left. And uh, it just, it can cause you to miss coyotes. You know, it can cause you to, to get yep. off target. So something, something to look at. If you're, yeah, that's a good, that's a good tip. If you're thinking about your stands in the mornings, I know, you know, some people like the wind right in their face. You know, I want the wind right in my face, you know, because the coyotes can't smell me. Well, there might be a downside to that, too, if you're trying to reach out there and poke one at four or five hundred yards. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm a, I'm a crosswind with your, guy myself, too. So with, with your 22-250 where it's a, you know, man, you're off left or right a little bit, you know, on a big headwind or a, a 10 or 12 mile an hour headwind, and it's really going to throw you off. Yeah, I, you could yeah, think you're I mean, right side all, of the coyote. It makes sense to me. No, right. You know, you could even sit there and say, "Man, I, it felt like that wind was blowing a little bit right to left." You know, and you held right side of the coyote. Maybe you did hold enough wind. Maybe you did hold a full mill or you know, point seven of a mill. But guess what? At that second day, halfway down there, it was snaking the other way on you, and then you missed the opposite side, and you're like, "What the heck?" You know, or or. Yep. It's just better to shoot in a crosswind if you plan on reaching out and shooting stuff further out. Yep. Good tip. I I totally agree with you there. So what does what does a guy do to guess wind or you know if he doesn't have a kestrel or doesn't want to get one? What what's your recommendation? So you can go on Amazon. Amazon for thirty bucks, you can just get a little wind meter. You know, because like you said, you know, you want to, let's say you want to use a mile per hour wind system, but you don't know what a five mile an hour wind feels like, or you, maybe you think you do, but you're not sure. If you start playing with that thing, order one, take it with you, play with it at work, walk around outside with it. You get an idea of what a five mile an hour wind feels like, what a seven mile an hour wind feels like, what a 10 mile an hour wind feels like, you know, and, uh, being able to, uh, really feel that on the fly sometimes without even having to really take it out. And, uh, yeah. you, you're just, you're light years ahead and it costs you 30 bucks on Amazon, you know? Uh, and then you can make, yeah. we'll, we'll put a, a link to wind. that below too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, you know, uh, it, it's just a game changer. It, it's something that it, it's worth doing for sure. Yep, I like that. I'm gonna I might have to get one myself actually. Yeah, yeah. Amazon Prime, baby. <laughs> it's where it's at. <laughs> yeah. Good Christmas present for your uh predator hunter husbands or you know, friends or right, dads. Right. That's hundred percent correct. I agree. They'll be like, What am I gonna use this for? And you're gonna sit and then you're gonna say, You need to go watch this podcast. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> Let's uh let's talk a little bit about your setup and what you're shooting. Uh like kind of bring us the nuts and bolts of it, your scope, your gun, yeah. your bullets, all the good stuff. <sighs> well, I use a Bagara Wilderness Carbon uh right now. Um I use an MDT, I think a 12 round mag, uh, an MTT MDT bipod. Um I run, I run a 143 grain ELDX bullets. Mm, see, one thing I, I do that might be a little different that, to most people is, 
you know, I, I run an Arca rail and, you know, not everybody runs an Arca rail, but, yep. um, some, something I have on there that may be a lot of people don't really aren't aware of that they might should do is on that Arca rail. I have a little, like a, it's just a little clamp that slides up and down. I can put it whatever, wherever I want, but it sticks out to the side where I can grab it with my hand. And what that's for is for me to control that, that muzzle recoil. You know, if you watch any competition shooters or any of those PRS guys, they, they run their hand up a lot of the times up front on their stock to kind of push down on that, uh, on that recoil to keep that, keep that barrel from bouncing up on them. You know, you want that recoil to go straight back and straight back forward. And, uh, you know, at 200 yards won't make a difference. Maybe not when you're shooting at a coyote, but you start reaching out there and, you know, it's, it's kind of like shooting a bow at 40 or 50 yards. You know, I, I only practice at 40, 50 or 60, because if I practice at 20 or 30, it doesn't tell me when I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. I don't absolutely the little problems, you know, and when you start reaching out there a little bit, but, and, you know, once you fix some of those problems or, you know, you start doing the right things, it, it makes those 300 yard or 400 yard shots. Like, okay, this is easy now. You know what I mean? Or, or your standard yeah, just it's goes the same up, exact you know thing I mean? as shooting your bow at 90 yards and then going to 20 right, and right. it's just easy. Right. You're just like, okay, you know, and, and when you start doing some more, some of those little things, right. I feel like, uh, you know, just getting your, you start doing everything the same every time as much as you can and fixing some of those little things. Uh, the more you shoot out far, the, the better you'll be at those, those closer shots. You just don't, you don't miss them hardly. You know what I mean? I, I can't tell you. Yep. I can't tell you the last time I missed a coyote at 300 yards. It just, and it's not an ego thing. It's just that that's where the standard is. You know, I mean, the way, the way I practice yep. now, it's just, I, I shouldn't miss that. You know what I mean? Yep. Totally. And you're, and you're confident there. Yeah. yeah. The equipment I use is so good. I know a lot of the guys are running uh, bipods. You know, I ran a Harris a long time ago and, and, you know, once I started using these carbon fiber tripods, it's like, it's just like shooting off concrete, you know what I mean? Almost. It's just like, why would I, why would I not use this? Right. And, and you, uh, what do you, what do you have for a scope and, and like that? Um, right now I run an Athlon Helos on my hunting gun. And then I've got my Vortex PST on my uh, steel barrel Bagara that I've been using for uh, competitions. And, and gotcha. I, you know, you shoot so a six, five, for both of them. Yeah. Six, five on both of them. And, and I like my helos for hunting. And, and when you look at through those scopes in the store, you don't realize it's hard to tell how one's better than the other. You know what I mean? And yeah, for how sure. important that glass is. And once I started shooting those competitions, um, you really realize when you, you shoot with some of those guys and they let you look through their really high end glass how much better they can see bullet trace. And then, you know, even my binoculars, you know, I just have some, you know, three or $400 binoculars and I can see the target out there at a thousand yards. And, but like when I look through some of those guys, you know, really expensive Leopolds or stuff like that, it's like, I can like see the blades of gray. I can see the numbers on the targets, you know what I mean? Cause they number all the targets down there and yeah. they're like super clear, like crystal clear at a thousand yards where it's like, I can see it with mine. 
but it's kind of blurry. You know what I mean? Compared yeah. to theirs. It's like, I could see yeah, where totally. I could, you know, I can see the tree line, but if there was a deer antler sticking out, I might not catch it. Where with one of those, I would catch it. So you kind of understand yeah. why that glass is so important once you start shooting some of that stuff. Yep. And you're right. You can't, it's really hard to see stuff inside or in stores as soon as you get stuff outside. And the other thing that I've done too, is it's really hard to notice when you only look through one, but if you like, let's say you look through a $200 pair of Binox and then a $700 pair of Binox and then a, you know, $1,500 pair, you'll be able to see how the quality goes uh, right. along with them. You're like, Oh man, these things are awesome. It's just, you yeah. gotta pay to play, you know, it's just, it, it's that, that good stuff's expensive. Yeah, it is totally. So what, what do you run for a call? Um, and is there anything else that you take with you on a stand that you think is a must have? Who, uh, I run a lucky duck right now and you know, I, all the calls are good anymore. You know, lucky duck, Fox pro. I mean, they're just good calls. But one thing that I really have to have that I love that I think even just a normal guy that doesn't use a camera uh, could could maybe uh, use is a, a clamp for your remote that attaches to your bipod or or whatever you're running, you know, that's hands free for that remote. And it's always in the same spot that I can just go straight to it. You know, it's right there. Whenever I dangle it on my chest, it takes me a couple seconds to grab it. You know what I mean? And 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 I'm yep. trying to run the gun at the same time. And uh when you got a camera, yeah. a gun, and a it remote, is kind of it is kind of clumsy being on uh like your gun in your right arm, right shoulder, and then you you're in your scope and you're watching a dog, and then all of a sudden you need to change the sound or turn it change the sound, whatever you have to do with your call, and all of a sudden you gotta reach over and fish your call up from hanging around your neck on your side right right and, and, and it will cause it will cost you precious seconds you know and where it's always right there on my tripod it's clamped on there i can be looking through my gun and literally follow a coyote and just hands-free just push the buttons i don't even have to hold the the call you know what i mean i just sit there and press the buttons if yeah. i don't want to all of a sudden make him howl make that call howl you know and stop him out there i can stay on the gun and i know just I just know the buttons on the remote, even without looking at it anymore. You know, I can just press that. Yep. Uh, that number one call button, and you know, send it off where I'm not fumbling with no, no nothing on my neck. For sure. Yeah, I totally agree. So let's uh, let's walk through. You are leaving the truck. You're going to a stand. Um, what is? Do you have any? a certain strategy or how do you go about to find your setups and, and kind of talk us through uh, an average stand and the approach to a stand for you? You know, it, even, it's different. even actually going back to like picking the stand. Um, even picking the stand. So I really don't, I don't really have, anything certain i mean you just kind of look at a property and does it look good or not does it have enough cover you know does it have yep. enough cover to hold some dogs and 
you know, I'm just like everybody else. I get on Onyx and I go ask for permission if I see a place that looks good. It's got some draws or, you know, a little field. I obviously want some type of field or, you know, I like a little bit of grass. I don't really like it just mowed down, you know, just to wheat. You know, yeah. I've killed dogs on wheat and, and fields, you know, wide open fields, but I don't like it as much as hunting over, you know, like a, a grassy pasture or something for sure. Um, yeah. It just seems like, seems like it holds more dogs, but, um, no, I, I mean, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pick out, you know, what are some advantage points, you know, uh, where, where am I going to sit? Where am I going to sit? Where can I see from? And is the wind good for there? You know, I don't want the wind at my back. I mean, I have hunted stands where it's just, let's say it's a wide open field for half a mile. You know what I mean? And there's no woods over there. And the wind is blowing out into that pasture, you know, and the coyotes are going to, the wood lines to my right. That's the only place they can come from. I, you know, I, I don't have a problem with hunting the wind at my back then. You know, I'll, pu- I'll pull them yep. out there. Totally agree with and, you there. And you just have to remember to shut the call off so they don't get too far out there. You know, I see so many people, it seems like they don't shut the dang call off. And that's where that, that remote, uh, you know, hands-free remote comes in handy. So often, you know, people get on the gun and they just leave the call go. They just leave it. You know, I, my hands on that remote mm-hmm. that whole time that Kyle's coming in for the most part, uh, as much as it can be. And if he gets, if he breaks, you know, that hundred yard range, I'm probably shutting that call off here pretty soon, you know, especially if he's running, you know, I don't, they're so good at yeah, hearing being able sure. to pinpoint where that sound is. People let them get way too close. Once they've, once they've broke that hundred yard range, man, they know where that calls at. They're, they're going to be right on top of it yep. here in a couple of seconds. So, uh, I mean, unless yeah. you just like, like having them come to the call and smelling it and wigging out and then you get to shoot at them running. I don't, I don't even play that game. You know what I mean? Nope. Yep. I totally yeah. agree with you. I'm like, if they're hard running, I'm probably turning the call off at like 200 and hoping right. I can they're, get them to stop by a hundred. Right. Well, it, man, it's hard to get them to stop sometimes if you don't. So, and once they get to that call, you know how that goes, man, they wig out, they, they, they realize what's going on real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a funny story. Like when I first started coyote hunting, we would always like split up and like, it was like me and like my dad and whatever buddies or whoever. And we would always like split up and, you know, one guy's here, one guy's watching this way. One guy's, you know, over the hill that way. And I would, uh, be away from the call where like my, when I was younger, my dad would be calling and all of a sudden here would come one. And obviously he can't see what I can see. And I'd just have coyotes come flying by me and be shooting at them and, I missed so many coyotes that way when I was younger. And now I don't even, the second I see one that's charging like that, especially like in closer quarters stuff, like the second I see him, I'm shutting it off because I mean, and then we've had times where, I mean, we're barking, 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 and just, just enough to get them to stop at, you know, 50, 60 yards and get them killed before they got to the call. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, I, I've seen it firsthand many times. You are correct. Yeah. yeah it, it, that is one thing that can really make you feel good about what you're doing. But at the same time, when you can't get, when you get one to come storming in like that and, and not stop it, it's pretty frustrating. 
Right. And if you have a double or triple and one freaks out, they're all liable to freak out. And then it really makes you feel stupid when you have three in front of you and you don't get any of them. Yeah. True. Very true. Yeah. I yeah. totally agree. And uh, so like you, do you typically look for like higher ground or do you just most more or less look for visibility? I look for everything, man. But it, I will say here's where I set up different is, is I pick up any cow property I can, but there are days when I'm going to go out and like, Hey man, I just want to film long range today. You know what I mean? That's, I'm going to try to kill yeah. a long, long range dog. So I'm going to set up completely different. I'm going to call different. I'm going to go up to a spot I can see as far as I can. Just, I mean, you're setting up just like if you were trying to scout for deer, you know what I mean? Scout a soybean field for deer. You're going to set up way off and watch it, you know? Yep. Uh, and I'm not going to throw out any distress because why do I want one come screaming in? I don't, you know? And and if you do throw distress, they're liable to hunker down and try to sneak up the creeks now instead of just walking out in front of you. So. Right. Um, every once in a while I might throw out some howls or something and just to see if I can get one interested and kind of pop out or, or move around a little bit out there or let me know where he's at. You know, he might howl back and now right. I know, Hey, there's a cow right there in that Creek. I need to watch it. Oh, what I was just going to say is if you watch your videos, uh, on YouTube, you can see some of these where you are like, you know, on your sniper tower and, uh, you just, you know, basically sit there and play a few sounds and here comes you know a coyote just kind of steps out you know out there and you tip him over and you sit there a little while longer and another one pops right. out and it was pretty yeah. cool uh to see yeah it, it's different you know i mean if you want really fast paced you know i mean you just do the normal coyote stands i mean i get days where i just want to go kill something right now you know what i mean i'll go and make a normal coyote stand yeah. you know but uh those long range dogs are harder to see from some of those normal stands. They're just, you're just not going to get them. And I like shooting long range and it, you know, it also makes my channel different. I think these days you have to be different. You know, a lot of times I've caught flack from totally. some guys I feel like, cause you know, I don't, I've got other, you know, I work, I, I got a real job and I got other things going on too. So it's not like I, I kill a ton of dogs, you know, and I, and I do the competition stuff and, and so a lot of days I go out and, you know, I do those long range sets and those long range sets aren't always, they're not high percentage. You know what I mean? You might not see a coyote. Yeah. You know, but I mean, it, it's, I just like being out there and enjoying it. And, you know, if there's a day that I just want to go run and gun and kill something, I'll go make some normal coyote stands. But, uh, there are some days I just, I don't mind going sitting up on a hilltop and I get to watch a bunch of deer and a bunch of different animals. and. And maybe a cow pops that way out there and I uh, get a crack at him. And I, and I really haven't yeah. <laughs> hunted as much this last year, you know, just because I got into reloading and the competition stuff, because about a year and a half ago, about the time I started doing the competition stuff, I missed a couple dogs, you know, I was using factory rounds like a lot of guys. And it just, for the standard of what I thought my channel needed and my standard of what I wanted to do, it just wasn't going to cut it. And, uh, I thought I yeah, need to start absolutely. reloading. And that, that's a whole new can of worm. Right. Oh yeah. So I started reloading, which like you said, you know, that took time. And then I started doing the, con you know, cause I realized like, Hey, I'm not that good at this yet. You know, I'm still learning now, but, uh, 
you just realize like this is not up to the standard and I need to take a little time away. Even though if I don't get to hunt as much, you know, I, I've got to sacrifice that to get better at this craft before uh, I kind of start hammering that again. So I haven't been able to get as much content out hunting wise just because I, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of shooting and, and learning to reload and kind of, you know, uh, sharpening that craft before I make another run at them. Cause I, I think it'll be a lot better yeah. uh, this next time. Yeah. Uh, you touched on something earlier that I think was interesting. Um, that I think is something that a lot of people don't understand. Um, so I'm going to ask you about it and pick your, uh, thoughts on it. Uh, you mentioned that you cleaned your gun, deep cleaned your gun, and then you sighted it in. Yeah. I think, you know, I think a lot of people be, oh, I just, you know, I cleaned my gun we're good to go back out and my gun's just shooting the same way it did before. I never moved my scope. So I'm going to head her out and my gun's clean and here we go. And now what are your thoughts on that? Ooh, it was a big one. So, you know, I, scopes come on, come out of zero all the time. It's, it drives me nuts when I go shooting with somebody, you know, go hunting with somebody. I'm like, hey, is your gun sighted in? I checked it, you know, months ago. It should be good. And I'm like, darn it. You know, yeah. uh, I'm a Nazi when it comes to that. Uh, uh, I'm always checking my zero. I keep a box in my truck, like a box to shoot at. And then I, any day of the week, I will have a T post and one of those T post targets from Atwoods. I mean, you can pick them up for, 50 bucks just keep it in your truck and then whenever you're out counting at the end of the day go validate some info with it just stick it in the ground and shoot it at 500 yards in the wind you know um it's just too easy to do um it's not like you got to pick up some big 80 pound target and move it you know um so there there are ways to do that and and check yourself constantly but yeah you know, after about 300 rounds or so, I like to deep clean my rifle. Um, I like to throw some of that bore cleaner through there and then rod the shit out of it and throw some copper cleaner in there, you know, where it just, it gets all that copper out of there and I rod the piss out of it, you know, 50 or a hundred, hundred times and with a brush and then clean it real good and get it back down to almost where it's looking new in there again. And a lot of times after you do that, you know, it's going to change your point of impact maybe. Um, so you need to go, you need to go shoot your gun ASAP. And that's what I was doing this morning. You know, I just sat that box out there and, you know, 20 yards from that box, I stuck that coyote target out and then went up the hill and verified it at 800. And I bet it didn't take me 20 minutes. And now I know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm good to go. Did you, uh, did you have like a, like a certain way you go about that? Or do you just go back and shoot and see where it's at and move it? Or do you shoot like five shots and then okay now i'm gonna now i'm gonna see where my zero's at at oh at at 100 just a normal zero just at any distance i mean just i'm just asking what your routine is for that um i mean if it's a brand new gun you know obviously sometimes the scope's kind of way off you know what i mean you don't know where it's gonna hit the first couple shots and uh so I'm going to probably start at like 20 or 30 yards, honestly, because it, why go back to hundred and waste three rounds, not knowing where you hit it. You know, you, you're yeah. going to hit the box or whatever you're shooting at at 20 yards and it'll still give you an idea where you need to move. 
but my gun, like, you know, my gun was pretty much already pretty close. It's going to change the impact, but it's not going to be crazy significant. You know what I mean? It's not going to be like four foot over to the right now or two foot. So you can take your scope off. And if you put your scope back on those Picatinny rails, they're pretty dang consistent. I mean, a lot of times if your gun's sighted in, you can take them off and put them right back on and they'll still be sighted in. Um, not always, uh, you know, you still need to check it, but like I said, mine, I knew it, it shouldn't be too far off. So I went straight to a hundred with that box and it, and it was a pretty good size box, maybe a, a two foot by two foot size box. You know what I mean? And, uh, yep. just checked it, dialed it. And then, like I said, you know, it, it's just, it's super important to go out there and, and verify your, your velocities. And I know some guys don't run ballistics, you know, but once again, I think that there are cheaper ways out there that people are really missing out. You know, there, there's a Sig Sawyer, was it a BDX 2200 out there right now? Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. You know, it, it's like 300 bucks and it'll give you ballistics, a rangefinder ballistics out to 800 yards. It's like, why are people not using these? You know what I mean? And, yeah, and especially for hunting application when you're like, when majority right. of people are probably only shooting like, you know, maybe 400 yards top end. Right. And, and even then, you know, if you have a range finder that as soon as you click it, it, it spits a dope back at you for 400 yards, you know, it's just going to make you that much faster. And, it, you know, like I said, 300 bucks, that's the price of a normal range finder, like just a bow hunting range finder. For sure. So it, you can do that, and then, you know, um, that'll make you faster for hunting, and uh, you get a mile per hour for your gun down, and uh, you're pretty darn deadly, pretty quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you just totally. you want to stay on checking if, your zero. I think, like you said, people people don't check their zero enough, and when you start reaching out there, you, you got to check it often. You know, it, it, like during rifle season, uh I like checking it like every three days because, you know, just you're in and out of the truck constantly. You're it's bumping down the road and they can just get off. Yeah. And in and out of the truck and crossing fence and, you know, all the yeah. different things that you do, it absolutely can happen. Right. And if you're, you know, one inch high at a hundred at, you know, at 600, you're damn foot high. <laughs> so it's, yeah, you right. have a real bad day real quick. Yeah. Yep. No, I totally agree with you there. That's one of my biggest pet peeves too, is when I ask someone if they're gun sighted in or when's the last time they shot their gun and they say, well, it was on when I put it in the cabinet last year. And I'm like, oh, well, right, right. I'm going to take the first yeah. shot today. How about that? Right. And, you know, and I think if, if more people shot competitions, I feel like, you know, that it would fix a lot of those issues real fast. And, uh, a lot of people I think are re- get really scared or nervous or just they don't want to go to those. Cause you know, like, man, I'm not on that level. And it's just not that way. Everybody at those things are so nice, man. I mean, we have people that show up with just a gun, no ballistics data, nothing. And, you know, we'll just throw their gun in orchestral and give them a ballistic chart, write it up on paper real quick. And now they can shoot for the day, you know? Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Every- everybody's you know super awesome at at those at those things you know and um you know maybe another thing that i think i see a lot of people do that you know whenever you go hunt with somebody and 
cop runs out and it stops for a second. And then they're about to pull the trigger and then the cop moves again. And you're like, oh man, that one should have been dead, yep. you know? And I think when you start shooting competition, you know, you, you realize how important a, a fast trigger is, you know, or, you know, or a light trigger. Yeah. Um, people talk about, oh my, you know, I got a three and a half pound trigger. It's good enough for hunting. Well, it is, but it's going to cost you some dogs. I promise you. And then the, the time that a dog does stop and you can tell they're, they're only stopping for a second. You're going to rush that trigger because you need it to go off. I need it now. He's yep. about to move. And yep. I think, you know, it, does it have a whole lot to do with coyote hunting? I don't know, but it's going to cost you dogs. I know that. So it does, apparently. <laughs> you know, to me, it does. Right. And everything, it, it that, do- everything that can get you, everything that can get you like, you know, an extra dog here and there, I think is always an advantage. Like it might not get you, you know, yeah. 20 more dogs, but it might get you right. three more. And then right. when you shoot out to 500 yards that might get you another five and then you know you right, add all right. these things up pretty soon you just killed 20 to 30 more coyotes than you did the year before oh yeah our 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 prs stages are around two minutes long well it was taking me three to four seconds of trigger time to get my three pound trigger off you know if you're making a real slow steady squeeze well three or four seconds if you have 12 targets how many seconds is that a full minute you, yeah. you wasted a full minute of your time. That doesn't count moving to get on target, dialing, figuring out, you know, anything, just trigger pulls. And I just thought about that for a while. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like that's, you know, how many counts does that cost me too? You know, it's the same thing. And yeah, I dropped, I dropped sure. down to, uh, uh, I think I shoot like a one pound, five ounce trigger now for my, my coyote gun which I shoot like a six ounce trigger or seven ounce on my comp gun, you know, uh, cause they're, they're super light. You're trying to get that sucker to go off as soon as, soon as it's on there, you're ready for it to go. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's light. That, that is light. I'm sure most people don't even know what that is like, uh, to, to touch and, and shoot, but that's super light. And you know, it's funny, it, it's super light, but your body still kind of gets used to it. You know what I mean? It adapts yeah. to it. Your body will adapt yeah. to your trigger. Yeah, when seems you go, like. When you go from three and a half pounds to that one point, uh, that one pound, like you're talking, it's going to feel yeah. like you're breathing on it and it goes off. But then after you shoot it a few times, it, right. uh, it's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. And, that, and that's what, exactly what I mean. It, it's not, it's not where you can't control it. You get where you can control it just fine. And it's way faster. You know, it only goes off within a second. You know what I mean? Uh, as soon as you decide yeah. it's time, I need to get this thing off. It, it's going, and I think a a lot of people would benefit if they would just switch out their trigger uh, for coyote hunting. You know more than more than they they think about. Yeah, agreed. Uh, not just for not what just advice? For like, oh, what was that? Yeah, I was gonna say, what would your advice be to someone? Uh, to start shooting or um progress at shooting long range coyotes um some of my advice would be you know you have to get you have to get a setup that's capable of it you know what i mean go out if you don't want to spend an arm and a leg go out and buy a three or four hundred dollar scope go get you a gun that's capable of it 
don't get you a flimsy stock that you can just bend real easy. Get something, you know, uh, that's a decent rifle. You know, you don't got to even spend over a grand. There's, there's, there's a bunch of them out there now that are, you know, uh, pretty good. Um, and I think, I think one thing that I missed quite a bit when I first started trying to shoot at them was getting in a hurry, not getting a good range. You know, uh, I'd go out there and I just have my rangefinder in my hand. Well, it's hard to range little targets way out there like that. And yep. taking like a little tripod that you buy at Walmart or something and stick a plate up there or something to get that thing steady because you'll run into problems real fast with uh with ranging critters. And then another thing I was doing was especially on flatter ground, I would try to range the coyote or the the deer. And I shot high over a few of them. I thought, man, what is going on? Well, I'm ranging over them. I'm ranging past them. So I really try to range their feet now. Not their legs, like the dirt at their feet. Oh. Because it keeps that from happening. And and, and if you know, you shoot that's a good tip. You you range the deer and you range 30 yards past it. Well, here's the problem with that. You know, every 10 yards or so, once you get out the distance, six, seven hundred yards, maybe even eight, I think maybe eight yards or so it's worth a click, a, a mill, you know, you'll be a, a click off. It'll give you a whole different, uh, wind hold. Well, each click is worth, you know, four inches of that distance or so. So you're off by 20 yards. You know, you just went eight inches high. Yep. And that's enough to, yep. and you just missed a long shot. Yeah. You just, you just missed. So, uh, I, it happens all the time, man. I've had so many coyotes come out and, just not stop long enough and and uh just can't get a good range on you know and and i just there's been a couple that i did send it and i obviously had the range wrong i mean you know you had the range wrong as soon as you know the bullet hits two feet over the top of them you're like okay obviously i was ranging something behind it you know what i mean uh on some of that flatter terrain and and so that's that's kind of where i go from there and there are some spots man you're just not you just have to realize you're not going to be able to get a good range on them. You're going to have to get closer or hunt somewhere else for long range. I mean, it, it's so important to be able to get a good range on an animal. That's where, why I like being elevated because on big flat fields, you can, you can range over the top of them and not know it. Whereas if you're elevated, you know, you kind of range downward at them. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense to me. And like I said, you know, it's just one click is, you know, two clicks is a, two clicks is a big problem real fast. Yeah, it absolutely is. And um, I think one thing I always, I run in or have is, uh, I looked at my dope chart wrong or, you know, spun, you know, I dope to the wrong number and I'd shoot and, you know, then I'd be like, what, what happened there? And then I look and be like, oh, great. I only, I only turned it to, I turned it to seven, not nine or whatever. You know, just for example, but, but again, because I got in a hurry. Right. Right. And I just, like I said, I've let a lot of dogs last week, even during rifle, I had two or three dogs that I let walk early in the morning just because camera light, you know, and it's just the way it is when you start running a camera, you know, (laughs) it's like that you've been able to shoot the camera light are two completely different things. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, totally they are. Yeah, and, and 
Uh, it's people don't realize how much of a, a pain that can be sometimes. But uh, uh, maybe another thing is three points of contact. You know, I'm really big on three points of contact uh, when, when I'm shooting off a tripod, you know. And this is probably <clears throat> probably something that people off the bipods could do too. Uh, possibly that might be able to help them. I haven't done it off a bipod, but, um, you know, that, that tripod, it, it does such a good job of holding that, that four, that four in steady. I mean, it, it, it's not moving really, you know what I mean? It's, it's sitting there. So when you're zoomed yeah. into 600 yards or 700 yards or whatever, and really where it's funny, you know, people talk about where do you see it the most? I, I like it. I really noticed it at a hundred yards. That's where you can like prove it to somebody. Shoot a group at a hundred yards, just with your feet late. You know, just like if you were sitting down on your butt, because that's how most people do. They get those little chairs that they suck up against their back. They sit on their butt and they put their legs out straight in front of them. That's that's ninety nine percent of people, right? Um, where yeah. if I know I'm going to shoot long range, or I'm I might have a long range shot, I'm going to set those legs out a little wider, and I'm going to sit crisscross applesauce. And I'm going to literally my hand that's on my trigger, my trigger hand, I'm going to put that elbow right in the crest of my knee. So now the tripod has the front end super steady. And now you've just steadied that back end of that rifle too. you know, where where it connects to your shoulder. Because if you shoot those hundred yard groups and you just put your feet out in front of you and you don't have nothing to control that shoulder, that that stock in that shoulder it's like you get a little you get some wiggle in there it's like man i'm shooting like a one moa group you know a one inch group at 100 which doesn't sound bad but you know what you can shoot better prone right usually if you have a really good rifle you know a half inch rifle is what we're shooting for um and if you do that crisscross applesauce and you control the front and the back of that rifle you can shoot half inch groups like that off a tripod Yeah, I could totally see that. I mean, those tripods are pre- pretty steady in the in the like you said in the fore end, but yeah, I that makes a lot of sense to me. I've never even I guess I didn't notice or watch that closely in your videos um that you were sitting like that or that you did do sit like that. That's pretty uh yeah. that's pretty interesting. And you know, I used to not always sit like that, uh, you know, but it, it's something that I've really picked up this past year that was like, man, why was I not doing this before? And it was from shooting hundred yard groups, you know, because I hunt off my tripod and I was trying to figure out kind of like, Hey, you know, what's, what's my group like at a hundred? Cause that, that's what, that's how my group's going to be hunting at long range. You know what I mean? If I'm not shooting prone, we can yeah. shoot prone off a bench all day long and shoot half inch groups. But a lot of times in a hunting situation, I'm shooting off my tripod. So what can I do to make that better? And, you know, and I can't really for sure if, if I seen it online somewhere, maybe I did, maybe I seen somebody doing it and I thought maybe I'll try that. And, you know, uh, I know, I think they preach that in the military some maybe, but I've heard people say, but, uh, it, it sure made a big difference for me. You know, I instantly seen it in my hundred yard groups and obviously my long range groups are you know, you go from a one inch group to a half inch group at a thousand yards, you just cut it in half. It's a big deal. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, it, it is huge. And I think if people shot, you know, even at, even at 600 or, you know, for the average guy, I think you're going to see massive differences in, 
the, the things yeah. you do, your, your dope being on or off your muzzle velocity estimate estimates, or you estimating your muzzle velocity. I mean, there's a lot of different factors that are going to show imperfections in what you got going on. Even at, like, I think even at 600 yards for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, I might not say if I just know I'm only going to shoot 300 yards, I might take the shot with my legs out. You know what I mean? It's just, I'm not as worried about yeah. it. Um, right. But if I, if I know there's a possibility uh, of a longer shot, I'm going to instantly set my tripod up for that longer shot, you know, where I can, I can use that system if I, if I need it. Yeah, that's a good tip. That's a, that's a really good tip. I mean, you could even probably, you know, if you're on a tripod and whatever else, I'm sure, uh, you know, if you see a coyote sitting down out there at, you know, 600 yards, I'm sure you could even, I'm guessing, you know, of course anything could happen, but I'm guessing you'd even have time to probably adjust yourself too. Right. If you needed to, you know, like I said, a lot of times it's not always comfortable just to sit there crisscross applesauce. I'll sit with my feet out, but I'll set the tripod up, you know, for, you know, okay, if there's one out there, I suck my feet in. You know what I mean? It only took a second. Yep. Yep. And, for uh, sure. It's just, it's just a lot better, a lot, uh, a lot more stable. So, um, yeah. And this is a big one, man. People hate muzzle brakes. They do. They hate them. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to be able to learn your wind and either buy a silencer. I think those diligent defense silencers are like 500 bucks now. I mean, that's not ridiculous. Um, or there's a lot, actually, there's a lot of affordable, uh, um, a lot of affordable suppressors out there now. Like they're getting, I've seen some down to like the $400 range even. Right. You know, and if you can't do that, then a muzzle break and you got to be able to spot your impacts. If you can't see where you hit, it's hard to learn the wind. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And, and even then, you know, I have a camera. So even if I miss a coyote or something way out there, my camera can tell me, you know, if, if, if I didn't have a muzzle break, most people aren't running a camera, you know, if you miss, it really sucks just to sit there and go, oh, I don't know what happened. That sucks. It's like, you didn't learn anything from that. Yeah. Yep. Um, so even though a muzzle break, it's louder. Yeah. But man, I, I shoot with them as long as you're out in the open prairie somewhere, they're really not that bad. Yeah, if you're in some little range and uh, I don't know, you're down in a creek or something and you shoot it, yeah, they kind of suck. But uh, yep, you know, it, to me, it's worth its weight in gold being able to spot that impact um, and, and correct it. You know, I shot a dog. It was when I was shooting factory ammo. I missed this dog at 500 yards. I went over his back, and I had all kinds of issues with factory ammo. But I, I seen it. You know, from box to box, it can change. You know, it's like, man, I'd shoot one box and be zeroed, and I'd go to the next box, and my zero would move. Well, I shot over his back at 500. Or uh, not, was it over his, no, it wasn't over his, I think it was over his back. Well, he takes off anyway. And uh, anyway, I adjusted within a couple seconds because I could spot that round hit because my muzzle doesn't jump. And I corrected and killed the dog. And yeah, I, that's I, interesting. I, just, I think uh, I just, the advantage that we have up here, a lot of coyote hunters, is that we can see where we hit in the snow, and that's what I use a lot. <laughs> right, right? Yeah, I, we don't have that. Here for sure. That's yeah. a big advantage. That's huge. 
Yeah. Yep. And even then it's probably still hard if you don't have a silencer or a muzzle brake. I mean, those, those barrels jump up so bad when you don't have one of those that it's hard to spot anything. Yeah, for sure. Oh, you know, I get this question all the time from people. I have people message me this all the time, man. I'm not seeing coyotes. What do I do? I'm doing something wrong. If you're not seeing coyotes, it calls are so good these days. Lucky Duck, Fox Pro, the, all those calls are good. They're good calls. Predator tactics, all, all of them. Yep. They work. You know, uh, if you're not seeing any coyotes at all and you're playing rabbit or pup distress, and um, it's time to go somewhere else. You need to go door knocking. Yep. You need to get on onyx. You, totally. need, you need to. The time that you could waste, if, if I hunt a stand, more than twice, and I don't see a dog, I'm not sitting there for a long time. Either the season's going to change, or it might be a long time before I sit there. Because I have certain stands that do better in the, the summer, and seems like, you know, that just are denning spots or stuff like that. But uh, if it if there ain't nothing there, man, and I, I go twice, you know, I'm not hitting it for a long time. I'm going somewhere else. And so many people hit the same spots over and over and over again. And, uh, wonder why they're not killing dogs or they educated the dogs that are there and they're not, they're not going to come in. Yeah. I totally agree with you there. I, uh, I had a guy on my podcast that'll be actually on next week's episode. Uh, and he said he always has a three stand rule. If whatever you did for three stands doesn't work, change it. Right. And I was like, Oh, that's actually, that's a good tip. You know, whether it's your yeah. sounds, your, your setup, your whatever, your, uh, I think that's a good tip for anybody too. It's just, if you, if you haven't, if what you're doing after three stands isn't working, then change it. Uh, I've got stands that back up to public land. One of my most fun properties to hunt. It backs up to a bunch of public land. I will not play rabbit there because public land hunters have called to him so much. If you play a rabbit, I've seen, I've had them out in the field already when I got there, turn the rabbit call on and they run the other way. Yeah, run, take off running. Yep, totally agree. Just playing something different than what every other person is playing. Uh, I think, yeah, that's always something to keep in mind. That's like your stand where you got to bring out the, you know, the ground squirrel or the, you know, yeah, something you different. Bring out just some something random else stuff. Isn't. Uh, totally you know, agree. Like, I feel like people get scared that they're going to scare the dogs away. So this is a, a crazy story. This happened probably eight or nine years ago. And I used to be one of those guys that like I would play one song for 10 minutes and then I'd play another song for 12 minutes or something or not a song, but a noise. And then I'd switch again. And I was always scared. I, if I, if I switch songs too fast, they'd figure me out. You know what I'm saying? Like, am I, am I scaring them off? What am I doing? And, uh, right. and these weren't pressured dogs. Some of the places we were hunting, they weren't that pressured. Um, they got hunted, but it wasn't like hunting public land coyotes, but, uh, you know, we seen this coyote, uh, the guy I was hunting with, you know, he, he, he swapped sounds constantly, like once every minute and we were still calling in dogs. So I was like, okay, obviously that's not too big a deal. And then also we had this dog check up at 400 yards. He's laid down by this pond, just laid down. He was already out there pretty much when we got there, just laying down. Well, we threw every sound 
in that dang Fox Pro at this thing. And he didn't budge. He almost didn't act like he cared we were there. You know what I mean? Pals, rabbit, pub distress, fights, everything. Well, he had this sound on there that was a coyote eating a rabbit. And it was a newer sound. And it sounded, you know how those sound. You know what I mean? Yep. I said, don't play that. It's just going to scare him off. He's like, well, we might as well try it. He played that one sound. And that coyote jumped up to his feet, pissed, hair standing up, and ran straight to us. It it wow. was like you were fi- fishing. You know what I mean? We, literally 20, 30 sounds yeah. he threw at this thing. Didn't even act like we were there. Was that, un- you know, almost in the summertime, if you see one way off and they're just like, I don't care, I'm not coming over there. You know what I mean? You're far away. You know? Yeah. Just did not have a care in the world we were there. And for sure could hear us. You know, 400 yards isn't that far and was hooked yeah. just like that on one sound. Interesting. I, I actually had a similar experience and it was at night and we had like three or four coyotes out at like 400 yards and they, you know, same thing, rattling through every sound, every, you know, howls, fights, you know, whatever it was. And so I'm, I'm like you, I don't like you're talking about your private land or the, the pl- place by public and you don't play rabbit. Well, yeah. I don't play much rabbit period for that reason anywhere. Just cause where I'm at, there's so, so much pressure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm on in the same situation. Coyotes are out there at three, 400 yards, um, which I mean, yeah, it's not that far, but at night that's pretty, that's far. And so I went through every sound, every sound, nothing would work. And the last sound I played, I come back to rabbit. <laughs> and for some dang reason, I couldn't believe it. And these things just break and come in. And I just, I, you know, apparently that, that was the ticket, but it was the same deal you're talking about. I just played, you know, 10 different sounds and I come to this, you know, cottontail distress and bang, here they come. All of them. This is crazy. Right. Yeah. So you never really know what they're going to, whatever certain Kyle's going to bite on, you know? So I definitely run through a series of, you know, kind of, I think what a lot of coyote hunters do now, you know, I food, you know, sex territory. I'm just going to hit those three things, every stand. And, and usually, you know, you might get one to bite like that. Yep. Totally agree with you there. I do the same thing. And, you just never know what's going to work and what's not going to work, but that's the uh, part that makes it fun. Right. Right. And, you know, I used to overhunt. I feel like, uh, not overhunt my spots so much, just overhunt myself. I think a lot of people are like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go hunting this evening or something. And they go out and they make five stands and then they just don't want to go again for a while. You know, you burn out a lot of times your best stands sometimes are those last, that last stand in that first stand. I mean, um, yep. unless you just have really unpressured ground, you know what I mean? And, uh, totally. um, there, I feel like a lot of the time, I mean, I have those days where I just want to go and I'll go for a whole evening or a whole morning and make five stands. But I think especially running a camera, it's easy to burn yourself out. Um, I really try to limit myself yeah, to totally. like one stand, you know, which I don't, I hunt pretty close to my house. I have a lot of places close to my house I can hunt. So I'll just go out for 30, 40 minutes, 
if I don't, if I kill something, I do, if I don't, I come back and it didn't, it didn't like waste my whole day where I let, you know what I mean? I let hunting just take away my whole day. Yeah. And then you're frustrated that you just almost wasted your time and you right, right. Or that. And, and, and it just lets me be a lot more consistent. It, it, pre- it prevents burnout, you know, uh, yeah. where you can get burned out. probably sharper on those stands. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. That's for dang sure. You know, whenever you, you hunt four or five stands, you know, you, you get caught up with thumb up with your butt pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden you're sitting there thinking about what you're going to have for dinner. And all of a sudden you look and here's a coyote standing, you know, right, staring at right. the call. Right. And you know, sometimes I think if your ground is a little pressured, sometimes calling to them early just hurts the property even more, you know, uh, yeah. If it's if it's a pressured a pressured place where you know you a lot of times you only kill in the last stand or the first stand anyway. Uh sometimes it's just better to go out there that last stand and the first. And you know, if it, if you don't have pressure ground, then obviously you can go out there pretty much any time of the day and you might you might roll one up. Yep. But uh, I just think sometimes people overpressure their stuff and they think they're doing something wrong and they're really not. You're just not hunting enough property. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. <clears throat> yep, that's a good tip. That's a really good tip. I think uh, a lot of people should probably get more ground. And I think, you know, we all, you know, granted, we all have our, you know, old reliable spot that, all right, well, I'm having a rough day. I can go here and kill one for sure. And then, you know, pretty soon you hit that spot five times and then all of a sudden, it's dry. Yeah. Yep. For sure. I'll uh, start wrapping up here and let you get back to your day. Uh, before you leave, tell us uh, where to find you and where people should go watch your videos and so on and so forth. Uh, I've got a Facebook. It's just Chase Hass. Uh, my Instagram is just under Chase Hass. I got uh, Daywalker TV. This is what it's called on YouTube. And, uh, you know, I got to thank some of my guys that helped me out, sponsor me too. You know, Bagara helps me out a lot. Mid-America Optics. These guys are awesome. Zero Fox Given. Uh, Warrior Tripods. Um, some of those places, they, they post some of my content too. So uh, that's where you could check me out. Hopefully more to come. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll put all that information in the description below and make sure... Uh, everybody gets over and checks you out and uh, can see some of these long range shots in for themselves. That'd be awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, Chase. All right, guys, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Predator Podcast. Check all the show notes below. You'll see all the information to find Chase. We got a couple of links to videos uh, to a wind meter a few different things down there as well as of course all the discount code information for dark night outdoors so go down and check that out if you want to support me go to dark night outdoors and shop using those discount codes feel free to message me on instagram if you guys have questions and we will be back next week for the next episode of the predator podcast and until then shoot straight